0: Good evening, and welcome to the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. If you're not already subscribed, be sure to follow, like, subscribe, whatever it is, on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, and the Megaphone app. Subscribing is free and keeps you up to date on the latest and greatest in Winnipeg Jets news and analysis. Across the Locked On NHL network and some of our other wonderful podcast networks, including the MLB... NBA and NFL, we're all doing some retrospectives on what we call worst seasons in whatever sports league history, and specifically for our favorite teams. We don't really have all that many so called bad seasons for the Jets, but there have been some rough patches throughout the years, and I thought I'd talk about a couple of them. But before we get to maybe two or three moments where the Jets had a couple of issues, some of which will actually be this season, I thought I'd talk a little bit about some of the other stuff that's been going on, because a lot of sports leagues are starting to talk about reopening, and I feel like right about now reopening is probably not the best idea. As of the past couple of days, we've found out that the Dutch Football League and the French Football Leagues have both canceled the rest of their seasons, meaning no championship trophies, no league games, nothing. And we already know that uh, in terms of like things like Champions League football and some of the other international European tournaments, a lot of football teams are not participating, or those leagues have just been suspended, period. So, you know, there's not a whole lot of sports going on. There were reports that I believe the Korean Baseball League and their Soccer League were both going to get back underway, although based on what the uh, criteria for participation is concerned, those folks all have to play and work under very strict conditions, and any sort of violation of those rules means that there's, like, an automatic quarantine. I think there are fines handed out. There's a whole lot of stuff going on with that, which, in my opinion, just seems like a lot of of effort to go through. Korea thus far has been considered a very successful situation in which there haven't been many reported cases and very few, I think, fatalities and a pretty low infection rate. So generally speaking, not a whole lot going on as far as what's going on with uh, what we believe the significance of the impact on Korean, you know, entertainment life and all of that stuff is concerned. It's It all seems like everything has been under wraps and under control, at least By what the the figures coming out of Korean infection rates and stuff are concerned. So I think that they feel that they have a better handle on it than most other countries, and they're comfortable reopening certain things like baseball and soccer under very strict conditions. I still think it's a little bit soon. Uh, Obviously um, Southeast Asia had the SARS outbreak, so for them, this is not exactly a new situation. They've had to to contend with public health crises before, so the idea of COVID-19 wasn't as foreign to them as it was for us. Europe hasn't been as fortunate, and I think that in a lot of countries, especially England right now, they're they're going through a horrific outbreak. Uh, they have extremely high fatality rates, their infection rates are sky high, and even though their actual case count isn't spectacularly high, the number of fatalities relative to the infected population is pretty insane. Some part of me thinks that the French probably looked at that and thought, you know, given how, uh, you know... England basically thought that there were some situations where they'd be able to get away with it and that they weren't really in any danger. They might be thinking twice about this whole situation and wondering, you know, if we have a serious outbreak here, what happens to our medical system? Does that mean that it would severely impact our ability to do basic daily living things and ultimately impact the sports leagues, which is, you know, obviously one of the outcomes that happens when you have a pandemic and you have to shut down like this. I say all of these things because the NHL is also considering starting up the season again possibly at the end of this year or early next year or maybe even as soon as sometime late summer early fall and I just feel like any of these options really isn't I don't think it's possible to be honest I I think about the I think about all of the travel and the conditions that these players are exposed to They all share locker rooms, Uh, they'll come into each other's bodily fluids through a lot of sweat and any sort of moisture. There's just a lot of of potential contamination situations, and if anyone, and I mean anyone, you know, comes across some sort of an infected person, they may not know for days on end that they're infected, and they've already spread it to their teammates and the staff. Ottawa and Colorado have already gone through a couple of situations where their players were infected with COVID-19, and the NBA has also had players who were infected. It's not like it's some rare occurrence. It's already happening to these leagues and some of their players. So I kind of wonder if if really restarting things is a great idea. I know that in Germany, the Bundesliga, which is their football league, was talking about restarting. But I think Bundesliga kind of doesn't have much of a choice because a lot of the teams in that league are entirely reliant on TV ad revenue. They can't survive without TV deals. And if they're not being broadcast they're in serious financial trouble. Otherwise, the league is going to have to make some serious changes, and I, I would imagine that some of the teams would probably have to fold because of the expenses that are no longer going to be paid off. So I don't think the NHL is in the same position, but I do think that the NHL probably is going to be hurting for money. That said, I still don't think it's the right decision to try and force it. I think that with everything that's happened and how many unknowns there are, the the potential for serious risks and the likelihood that you're, you're going to have some kind of an outbreak amongst the players who are having to travel back and forth through cities is still going to be high. Now, the NHL was thinking about doing it all in one location, which I, I guess in theory is fine. The only issue that you have here is guys are still going to need, need to have food, laundry done, they're going to need supplies, and obviously you can do a lot to decontaminate that stuff and limit the number of outside staff members, but... We've already seen that people haven't really been following proper protocol. We've got people who are protesting, not wearing masks, doing all of this weird stuff, not following proper food handling procedures. I just think that there are so many risks that I don't know if if actually having them all play in one location is going to fix anything. It actually might make things worse because if they're all together, yes, you've localized the infection, but you may also make it easier to spread among that localized population. I'm just kind of thinking about all of these potential risks, and that guys may not know, you know, all of the most pertinent information for managing their healthcare. Or even if they do know the information to, you know, minimize and try and mitigate the risk of COVID-19, they may not actually follow it anyways. Just because it's a lot of work, they may not feel like it. Yada yada yada. They just get a little bit careless. You're dealing with all sorts of humans, and we don't, as a species, tend to be the most careful. So. I just think that, for me, trying to restart the NHL and even thinking about doing it right now, it's kind of crazy, and it's not something that I think makes a whole lot of sense. During this whole situation, I'm sure a lot of folks have been turning to things like delivery food and stuff, and I know that I myself have probably ordered a couple of times, and I think that a lot of the NHLers are ordering from different services like Uber Eats and Postmates. If you're like me, you've probably started thinking about what you would order, uh, you know, for dinner while you're during lunch, and that's why I love using Postmates. I love them even more right now because I can get food delivered without leaving the house, opening the door, or even having contact with the delivery drivers. Given what's going on in the world, they've created non-contact deliveries for all orders. Drivers leave your orders outside your door so you never have to personally incur any risk and you protect the drivers as well. If you're capable of moving around, Postmates also has Postmates Pickup, which supports local restaurants that we need to be supporting, especially during these troubling times. Postmates Pickup allows you to pick up your favorite foods from your local eateries and support the community. If you're short on supplies, Postmates also delivers things from Walgreens, 7-Eleven, and other similar stores. We all know that right now, TP might be a little bit more important than burgers and sushi. Be sure to head over to your app store on the iOS or Android OS. Be sure to download the Postmates app, find your favorite restaurants and stores, and get anything you want delivered within the hour. For a limited time, Postmates is giving our listeners $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days. To start your free deliveries, download the app and use code Locked On. That's code Locked On for $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days when you download the Postmates app and create an account. Anything you need, anytime you need it, Postmate it. Winnipeg's history. As, as a hockey franchise has kind of been a little bit curious because there are two versions of this team, and I, I think everyone knows that the original team currently exists as the Arizona Coyotes. We all know that that history, sorted as it is, is very sad for a variety of reasons. In the year that they left in 96, a lot of folks remember with a lot of pain, bitterness, and tears. So we're kind of going to skip that. We're going to talk about the contemporary franchise because I think the modern Winnipeg Jets are a very curious team for a variety of reasons. I think that, relatively speaking, the Jets have avoided major drama except for a few notable cases, and those cases have had some very interesting outcomes, I think, for all parties involved. So let's talk about what makes some of the so-called worst seasons of Jets history in recent times. The first three or so years, Winnipeg really didn't do a whole lot. The Jets just weren't a particularly great team. They weren't awful awful but they weren't good they had okay offensive numbers and you know they had a mediocre defense but the biggest thing has always been goaltending they just really didn't get enough saves and their forward reserves weren't exactly high end you had a lot of guys who were like tim stapleton um, nick antropov at times you had kyle wellwood brian little a lot of veteran players from either atlanta or journeymen from around the nhl who for whatever reason ended up in winnipeg And none of these guys were, like, high-end players, but I think a lot of them were actually better than folks gave them credit for. Usually, though, including the lockout-shortened seasons and whatnot, Winnipeg has usually hovered around, like, a 500 win-loss record uh, plus OT games. So, like, in 2011 and 2013, they actually posted almost identical season records and, oddly enough, have a very close goal differential. This team is very consistent in the sense that for the most part, Winnipeg tends to be like a 500 team. They're not bad necessarily, but by most standards, they're in the bottom quadrant of whatever conference they've been in and and any divisions that they've been in, which they've been in the Southeast when they were in the Eastern Division. And most recently, they've been in the Western as part of the Central Division. So the Jets have kind of bounced around. They've been, you know, a couple of years, pretty rough. I would say one of the worst seasons in recent memory was 2015-16, which ended up giving us Patrick Liney. That team just didn't seem to have anything going. The players were really struggling. I feel like the coaching systems, including the PK and even strength offense, were not good. I don't actually remember how much of that season that I watched because I feel like the Jets kind of lost me. 2014-15 was an interesting season in which Winnipeg had one of the biggest dramas in the NHL with Evander Kane. That was something of a sordid moment, I think, for the Jets, but it was also kind of a defining moment. Winnipeg that year was like a big bully of a team. They were gruff, tough, gritty, but they were also surprisingly skilled. And when they traded Evander Kane after the whole tracksuit thing and really just a worsening of relationships between him and the locker room, ultimately the buck ended up getting passed to, I guess, what those would consider... Winnipeg's new core of guys like Mark Shifley, um, the still existing core of Dustin Bufflin, Wheeler, Little, Ladd. All of those players were still there, but then you had young guns like Shifley, Truba, Lowry. All of these players who were starting to either make their way into the NHL or make their way into, I guess, what we would consider elite echelons of play. That said, after that 2014-15 season where the Jets made the playoffs for the first time in the current franchise history as a Winnipeg team, yeah, they I mean, they got swept in the first round, and then they walk into 2015-16 and take a noticeable step back. I kind of felt like they were going to be worse in 15-16 because they didn't retain any of the guys, really, that they had brought in on rentals. Like Lee Stempniak, who I thought was a very good middle six to top six forward if need be, they didn't resign, and he wanted to stay, but they told him no. And so I expected this lack of depth that was going to kind of haunt the Jets... You know, I thought it would have an impact on the season, but I did not expect them to be in draft lotto territory, and that's where they ended up. You know, sitting around, and I feel like that year for me was very painful because I felt like I knew that they were going to take a step back, but I did not anticipate them being just a terrible team. That squad was bad, very bad, and if not for this year. I think that that would have been one of the worst seasons in NHL history for the Jets, which is funny because this year's record looks very good compared to that year where they went 35-39-8 and eight versus this season where they're currently at 37-28-6, and six, which is actually not that bad. I mean, it's like middle of the road, but it's technically better than the Preds. I will say that 2015-16 did give us one of the most important things in in Jets franchise history, and that's Patrick Liney. Getting him out of that draft... Turn this franchise around and put us on a path to a totally different future. I mean, we had guys like Ehlers, and I think Roslovic was acquired in one of the trades. And, and obviously, you know, Roslovic being drafted was a great thing, but when you think about it, Line a represented a future for this team that the Jets hadn't seen. We'd had Kyle Connor, Nick Ehlers, Jack Roslovic, Jacob Truba, but Line a was the first player that I think I knew his face almost immediately and I recognized him as an identity and a potential face of this franchise. What he could do on the puck and what he does do on the puck, nowadays especially with with more than just a cannon of a shot, he truly is a spectacular player. He continues to grow and improve, and I feel like out out of what was kind of a tragic season for the Jets where they basically just crapped the bed and didn't do anything, here is a brand new squad that could make amends and do something right eventually under Patrick Line, You know, how long it would take, I don't know. I didn't expect the following season to be all that good, and in fact, it wasn't. But we saw signs of improvement, and we all know that Line, you know, immediately showed off his goal-scoring prowess in the NHL. So I think 2015-16 was a really terrible season, but there were signs and seeds for improvement, and I feel like we're now starting to yield those benefits. Of all the Jets teams in the present era, of course, 2017-18 is going to be the highlight, where the team finished 52-20-10 during the regular season, and very nearly uh, came out of a Western Conference final, but ended up falling to the Vegas Golden Knights, who just seemed to have that extra bounce, that extra save, and the extra goal-scoring prowess that Winnipeg, despite being arguably the best team in the postseason, could not find all of that stuff that they needed, they just didn't get. And I feel like that was very heartbreaking for all of us because I felt like the team was going to win the cup that year, and if they didn't win the cup that season, I had no idea what the future would hold because this team couldn't stay together as it was. It was going to take a step back and, and arguably be not as good the following season, but man, 2018-19 was weird. This was a team that I, I no matter how much I watched and how good the record looked at 47-30-5, I just could not get into I wouldn't say that the Jets were awful, but there was something missing from their even-strength dominance from the previous season. They were definitely not as good, and they did not last long in the playoffs. I feel like the Jets were just not that great of a team, and when they got, you know, faced against the St. Louis Blues, Winnipeg ended up kind of caving, not exactly in the sense that they were awful during the postseason. I just don't think that they were able to keep up. And ultimately the Blues were the better squad. St. Louis just had better depth, better even strength play, better PK. All of the stuff that Winnipeg needed to find answers to and the Jets didn't. And so that was tough. And then this season happened, and I, I don't really understand what exactly the direction has been. Because when I look at the Jets from the past three years, we've been on a very downward trend. This season was one of the worst in Winnipeg history, in the sense that this team just played very bad hockey that I don't even recall them really playing during the earliest years of the franchise. The team defensively is a wreck, which we kind of knew because this squad is missing like three top four defensemen, occasionally more due to injury. Winnipeg's you know forward ranks aren't as deep as they used to be, and the coaches have tried to compensate for the lack of defensive acumen by having everyone play a more defensive style and conservative approach, Which, in theory, I get. It makes sense. But I think when you watch this team play, you realize that the team is not actually equipped to handle things like, you know, dump and chase hockey, uh, rapid breakout counters out of the defensive zone. This squad doesn't have the back-end speed and skill to do that. And so, for the longest time and for most of the season, this year's Jets were almost impossible to sit through and watch. And, like, you look at the season record and it's, it's not bad. I mean, it's not great either. It's like it's it's a bit over 500. A decent bit, probably. I I think would be more fair to say. But I think we all know that this team, if they go into the postseason, it's anyone's guess as to what they're going to do because right now the goaltending has been carrying this team and masking most of the defensive issues for almost the entire year. Connor Hellebuck, Vesna contender, Vesna favorite. Vezna, I don't even know what to describe him as. No one's close to competing for that trophy. He has carried this team on his back repeatedly and has done so with a high volume of work. So I think when I think about this team and the fact that towards the end of the, I guess, pre-break slash COVID-19 quarantine situation, you know, they started to look more like an NHL squad and more like the Jets of old, If, if, you know, still mediocre. I still don't think that there's a whole lot to really be Excited about. I think that this team, for the most part, has been a lotto team saved entirely by goaltending. While this year is technically not the worst in franchise history, I feel like a lot of the stuff that actually happened on the ice, for me at least, would make this one of the worst seasons. Despite where the Jets are sitting in the standings as of, I guess, today, you might say, um, the Jets just are a bad team. I mean, they don't really have a defense, their forward units are kind of lackluster for the most part and it takes a lot of effort for them to create even-strength offense consistently, and their power play kind of breaks down because they're not able to get the puck to line it in a good amount of time and speed. There are a lot of holes to to fill on this squad, and going forward, I think it's going to be a bit rough. But, you know, there are plenty of signs of, of a brighter future. I think we all know that the defense is going to get a massive overhaul over the next two to three seasons, and hopefully we get line under contract for... I don't know. I don't know if he'll stay for the rest of his career, but I would certainly love him to be uh, the new Finnish Flash, even though he's a totally different player. And also, you know, minus the part where Solani leaves. But, you know, ignoring all of that, I I hope that Line commits to being this team's face of the franchise. I think that he's a special kid. He's got lots of friends here on the team. I certainly love him. I think most fans enjoy watching him nowadays. And really. I think that he's what's necessary for this team to continue to take the next step and be the eventual cup winner that I still think this team has in it. I got to watch for many years the Caps repeatedly try and fail to do basically anything of relevance in the postseason, and yet they would always fall to the Pittsburgh Penguins. Eventually they defeated the Demon and pulled it off. Winnipeg doesn't really have a boogeyman yet, Although I guess Vegas is probably the closest thing. Everyone points to Nashville, but I think Vegas is actually the real problem. So, you know, for as many trials as the Jets have had, I feel like saying that they've had, like, absolute worst years in franchise history, it's not fair yet. I would say that there are definitely bad seasons, but we haven't hit lows like the Caps did in the early years of their franchise. Winnipeg, I think, has done enough to stay average, if not a little bit below average. And in recent times, they've been above average, if not very good, as of a couple of years ago. So here's hoping that they continue on the trend of being a decent team. And I hope that we don't have to talk about worse seasons in franchise history in a couple of years. All right, guys, that's all I've got for you tonight. Thank you so much for listening. Before you log off tonight, be sure to check out our Locked On NHL national show, hosted by Sarah Avampado. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great night and go Jets go.